Hello, everybody. I'm Nina T, and this is Kid Like Faith. On this week's episode, we're going to dive into Wally, and I am super excited to talk about this movie. Let's get started. And we start at the beginning um, because that's just how we start. Um, in the beginning of Wally, we are introduced to Earth unlike we know it. Um, this version of earth is a deserted version where there is trash piles everywhere um literally wally's function is to compact trash he is to pick up trash and to form it into a compact pile um he's done it for so long that it looks like the new uh, setup or the new buildings are made up of trash and so while he's continuously making uh, trash piles, he finds in that trash a bunch of treasure. And we know that he finds treasure because even though the whole city is garbage and even Wally himself, because he's been doing it so long, looks like he is a hand-me-down robot. He has a separate section, which is all of the things that he's collected as treasure. Um, and it's random things. It's not, um, you know, like all of them are valuable things. But to Wally, the robot, these are just interesting things that he wants to uh, hold and keep for himself. So what we find often is that while we would like to assume that, you know, we are surrounded by um things in this world and people that are in this world who are no good and have the mindset of you know the evil that we know is present the truth be told there is more treasure among the trash than we we are willing to realize Um, the other thing is that um it's valuable to Wally because again what is valuable to one person is not valuable to another and so what we have to do is begin to see what is valuable to the kingdom of God that is around us that would be in other words told that it is trash or told that they would never be anything or told that you know their purpose was you know non-existent we have to look for um what aladdin called the diamond in the rough or you know what was in the in aladdin the movie aladdin as the diamond in the rough but we need to look into what is around us that even though it looks destitute even though it looks like there's nothing great that could come from uh what is around us that could be hold on held on to as a treasure the other thing is uh, like i said treasure and trash is based upon the person that is surveying it so for whatever reason um a rubik's cube a spork a uh rubber ducky and even the box of a diamond ring is more important to wally than anything else in the junkyard now for us when he opened that box and we saw that diamond ring i immediately thought he was going to be overjoyed about the ring but again that wasn't his treasure and so there are sometimes honestly when you spend your time around 
trash or when you spend your time in low places, your mindset then is dimmed and lowered to a settling place to where you don't even recognize things of value among the trash. Remember, Wally had been used to compacting things into trash. And so sometimes his idea of what treasure is, is good for him. But in the scheme of things, he could be tossing away something as valuable as a diamond ring. And what we have to be very aware and and what we have to ask God for is the gift to discern what is valuable and what is garbage. Because, again, to God's kingdom, everything is upside down and backwards. For instance, if you want to be first, you be last. If you want to be the greatest, you take the lowliest position and you serve. If you would like to... Um, if you would like to be elevated, you must uh, humble yourself. You don't understand what I'm saying? Like everything in the kingdom of God is backwards. And so to God, there are things that we deem valuable that he is like, nope, that has no eternal purpose. That has purpose to satisfy you here on this earth. But as far as my kingdom goes, it does nothing to it. Um, a lot of us, and, and let's just take a little you know, detour here, because a lot of us deem that when God is asking us for tithe, the tithe, the money portion, is the most important of that. But if the money was the most important, that would mean that God would have a love of money. And then that would mean that he would have a root of all evil. So we've got to think deeper at what is it that prompts or prompted uh, the conversation even to begin about tithe. Why would it be robbing God? Well, because you're robbing God not only of the opportunity to be and show himself as provider, but you're robbing yourself of the opportunity to experience that. You're robbing yourself, right? And you're rob you're not only robbing yourself of that, but what you're saying is I put more uh love and attachment into this monetary thing than I do into the kingdom of God and its furtherance, right? Um, and granted, I understand wanting to, you know, have all of your ends meet, but even more than that, what God desires, what is valuable to him is not the monetary piece that you put in an envelope that you, you know, do on Cash App or that you do on uh, GiveLify or whatever. The portion that he thinks is valuable is obedience, because at the end of the day, out of that tithe, that consistent giving, that consistent, you don't even think about it twice. You just give it freely because you want to return back the 10 percent that God is requiring from you. Right. As you release that intentionally and obediently. What you give God is the sacrifice. What you give him a value is your heart because where your treasure is, your heart may be also. And so that's just like a little basic principle about, you know, and because, you know, the 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 going statement uh, 
whenever there's a conversation about money in the church or whenever there's a conversation about tithe, it's the church is trying to take my money or, you know, these people are just trying to steal and rob and all of those things. When on all actuality, I get to, I get to release something to the father in obedience. And when I release it to him, it's just my way of saying, thank you. Thank you for giving me 90% to live off of. Thank you for allowing me to be able to have a job to go to. Thank you that you're providing for all of my needs. Thank you that you promised that you will rebuke the devourer for my sake. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to even try and test you because the scripture says, prove me. This is the one opportunity, right? That Jesus says, or God says, prove me. Right. And see if I don't open up a window of blessing. Right. That you won't have room enough to receive. I took that long little detour. I took that little detour just to point out that, again, it's not the monetary that's valuable, even though it's used. It can be used just like the diamond ring could be used. That's what not what's valuable to him. What is valuable to him are the things that will last eternally. Your obedience, your love, your devotion, your worship, the things that uh, show him that your heart is with him and it's not with his stuff. All right. So Wally is doing his thing, right? He's being the trash compactor. And he's even allowing a little cockroach to do its thing, right? Becomes his little pet. Um, But as he's doing his thing, we notice that there is a little um, ship that comes out of the sky. And the ship that comes out of the sky kind of scares Wally at first. um, But there is what's left from the ship is a robot. And once the robot is a white, clean little robot, right? Looks nothing like any of the Wally robots that used to work at cleaning up the earth, right? But this new robot is very clean, pristine, and it's scanning around. It it has the agenda to just scan around. We don't know what it's scanning around at first, but we know that they're looking for something, right? They came to this place. That is a destitute place and they're looking for something of value again. Now, when this new robot sees or thinks that she sees, well, she actually sees Wally or sees something move. She begins to shoot automatically. There are a lot of us that when we feel like, you know, we are (laughs) something is coming up against us or a weapon is being formed against us, we very rarely take the opportunity to do what the scripture says and stand still to see the salvation of the Lord. No, a lot of us have the idea of, in order to protect myself, I have to be the one to shoot first. I have to be the one to uh, push them away before they hurt me. I have to be the one to put the wall up before they climb over and rob me. You know what I mean? Like we tend to and it's very odd that we would serve a god who is the biggest 
God who is the strongest, the all-knowing, the the omniscient, all-sufficient God, right? We serve this great big God who can do nothing but fail. Like literally, he can do anything but fail. Like he's not, it's not in his uh, capacity to fail, right? So he can do all of these things. Yet at the end of the day, we tend to try to fight for ourselves as is as if we were better at protecting ourselves. You, you you understand what I'm saying? Like we we tend not to trust people. We tend not to uh, give people the benefit of the doubt. We assume the worst. Shoot first and ask questions later. Like we legit like, especially when there is new people that are coming into our space and into our circles, and we assume that they are there to rob, then they are there to add. And it's a very toxic mindset to automatically seek out the worst versus being the ones to try and see where God can be glorified or to see how can I take my hands off and let God be God. For instance, if she had come now, she she's come to this new planet right? Or to earth. And she's thinking, obviously, that anything that moves is going to attack her. But what if she had just stuck to doing the job first and worried about the protecting herself last? It was almost like she had a, uh, a, I don't want to say trigger figure, but finger, but legit, as soon as a, a disturbance shot, cockroach shot like it was this automatic you know like just fire and when you do that you could end up hitting the wrong thing right you could end up messing up something and and blasting off something that was actually there to help you now what we know about Wally is that while he is you know compacting trash when he goes into his own little um little space and place he goes and he listens to um the excuse me he goes and listens to a movie and watches them dance and you know he's enjoying this but he loves the love scene so you can tell he wants companionship you can tell that's high on his priority list right However, for this robot, this new robot, when when Wally sees her automatically in his robot mind, he is automatically thinking that this could be the person he holds hands with, as he's seen in the romantic movies. This could be the person that is his companion. This could be the the love of his life, you know, automatically falls in the fields. However, the new robot has a directive and it has an agenda and we don't see what the agenda is automatically but we do know that 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 the new robot has an agenda and will not back off the agenda because for the first few montages when the new robot is there she doesn't even speak to uh wally she's more focused on finding what she needs to find and so she's just going around doing her thing right as he is following her because he's intrigued i want us and i want us to i want us to think about this if the most important thing is the directive 
If the most important thing is the purpose, if the most important thing is the strategy of God, the most important thing is God's plan being manifested in earth. Why is it that we focus on the people around instead of the directive? I think we tend to take more of the daydreaming, um, wily mindset than we do the Eve, I have to do what I'm sent here to do mindset. Because at the end of the day, if you get all of the desires that you would like, but you still don't accomplish the purpose, you have not lived a complete life. You've actually lived a very empty life. How do I know this? The scripture says, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Which means basically what does it, what sense does it make for me to accumulate all this wealth, accumulate all these things that are tangible. And then when I die, one, I can't take them with me. And two, I have nothing to say I've done with this life. I have literally no basis of why it was important for me to have been here. I basically, it basically looks like I have wasted God's time um, as well as I've wasted his life. Because in this instance, uh, if, if you've ever seen the movie In Time, we know that the main theme of that is the note that is wrote on the window. Do not waste my time. That this time that we have is borrowed time. It's given time. It, somebody had to die in order to give us the access to not only this time in this life, but the eternal life that we want to give into when we leave here. Right. And so the only way to show our appreciation Um, for being able to receive the grace of time, to be able to receive the gift of time, right? We need to make sure we're filling these seconds with purposeful things, filling our time with things that will honor God and not things that just satisfy our flesh. Because Wally wanted the experience he saw on TV, and that's a lot of us. We want the experience that we've seen in movies. We want the the love that we've seen played out on screen. And somebody wrote that story. Some Somebody pretended to make that story. It's not a real thing. You know what I mean? Like we, we want imaginary versions of love instead of sticking to the directive and letting those things that are intrigued in you find you because no matter what she did no matter where she went Wally could not stop following her he was intrigued and so what she committed to doing this new bot committed to doing was to finish the directive right to get and scan and find what she needed to find so um, a couple montages later we see her and <laughs> Wally are sitting and they're sitting down and they're he's he says well he he's talking right and um he's saying his name she says her name is Eve um Eve <laughs> Eve is someone who obviously is versed in language. And the reason I say that is because when she tries to talk to Wally the first time, 
she says something in a foreign language and he can't understand. And so what she does instead of getting uh, frustrated by the fact that he doesn't understand, she adjusts the language. So she adjusts it until he understands what she's saying. And then they have a conversation about who she is. And, And even though the directive is classified, we know that there is a robot named Eve who is looking for something, right? Who has come to earth to look for something. Now, I want to talk a bit about communication because it's one of the things that is um, necessary for us to have positive uh, relationships, to have effective relationships, to have thriving relationships. But it is one of the most underdeveloped tools in our toolbox. Uh, we in the in the age of social media and in text messages have mastered how to not communicate correctly. What do I mean? Um, we either do one of two things. We one communicate falsely or two, we don't communicate completely. What do I mean? Falsely is sending the LOLs and most of us are not laughing when we send them. Yeah. We are taught that in order to communicate something that is a hard truth, we have to put LOL after it. We're not laughing. (laughs) Most of the time we put LOL at the end of something, we didn't necessarily need to. You know what I mean? There are some things that are hard conversations that we just need to say what we feel. And that's that on that. Right. Um, But. Again, society says to, to make it run over well or to make it, you know, go over well, just slap the LOL, even though you're not really laughing and you're really, really serious communicating falsely. Uh, the other thing, not communicating completely. So um, we are in the age of shorthand. We are in the age of misunderstood text messages. Right. And so instead of uh, making sure the language is clear the intentions are clear, the message is understood. Instead of doing all of those things, we rush through to get to our point, to get to what we have meant to say, to get to what we wanted to release, to get to what we felt, to get to how we felt or whatever. And we care nothing about how the message is received and if it's received correctly. But Eve was the kind of person that she didn't keep speaking in whatever foreign language she started in. She noticed that there was no response and she kept changing the language until she got the appropriate response. Some of us need to work on our um, languages being being bilingual I'll say not necessarily you know you speak English and Spanish but I mean like learning how to um, exist or communicate in ways that everyone is able to understand. Uh, The one thing I pride myself about these podcasts is that there are not just one set group of people that listen to my podcast. There's not many people that can't relate to a Disney movie. There's not, there's not a lot of people that can, you know, they will say, I hate Disney. And if they are, then, you know, that's, that's a choice. You know, it's a choice, but it's, it's not something that, you know, only kids watch Disney movies or only, you know, adults watch nostalgic uh, Disney movies like Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. No, there's a wide enough range that 
whatever I'm trying to communicate, there's a movie that is attached to it. Or whatever movie I'm trying to pull something from, there are many messages for many different kinds of people, right? And so if I wasn't doing my due diligence, I would just focus on talking to the church people and speaking church lingo and that's it. But at the end of the day, I want God's glory to be filled um, not only in me or through my words, but I want everyone to listen to this, get a eureka moment and feel the power of God, bring them into enlightenment, right? But how do I do that if I constantly only stick with the lingo that is familiar to only one group of people? No, 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 no. I had to learn that there are some people that um, don't understand apostolic. They, they don't understand the, the church lingo. And so I had to adjust certain words because I can read a scripture off, right? And, and, and tell you what the scripture means. But at the end of the day, if I'm constantly using lingo that you don't understand, then there is no message to reach you. So my goal, like Eve's goal was, was to communicate in a way that I hear the positive response. Communicate in a way that I know the message was received because you respond to me in your language. And then I, I know I can set this language whenever I have a conversation with you. The language is this. You know, what I mean, like, for instance, my my stepfather is very, very um, he likes to get straight to the point. And so if I go all around the Mulroy Bush where I, where I tend to tell the whole story, it, he's got to be patient. A little, it's a little patience thing. Right. But I try to just get to the point because um, <laughs> that's the way he communicates and understands other people. I need to tell the, the steps of the story. I need to tell the emotions so that they can sit in the story with me so they can feel the emotions, feel the message that I'm trying to get across. But again, it's all about knowing the audience. It's all about knowing and and really communicating with who you're or or checking the person that you're communicating with. Does that, I hope that makes sense. Um, in terms of faith, I I have to, especially when sharing my faith, I have to be conscious of saying words that don't make sense. Because then, if I don't, if I say that right, and you have no uh, introduction to church beyond my conversation, then I have to do some work to explain even deeper what lingo I used and why I used it. So it's very interesting that her, her first response or when she starts talking to him, she realizes that language is important. It's important that they be on the same page. It's important that they both be able to hear, listen, and understand. Now, the funny thing is she's scanning and she uh, she gets to go with Wally after they, you know, get caught up on each other's names. Wally takes her to his little private place um, because there's a storm that happens. And in order to keep them safe, Wally wants to take them back to his place so that they won't um, be taken away by the storm. Now, in this, when she takes him to, or when he takes her to his place, inside his place is his collection of treasures. 
inside his place are the things that are valuable to him. But again, value is different person to person. And so the things that are valuable to him are not valuable to her um, because she's not as cautious with his things as he is. So he gives her a couple things to work with or play with. Um, and some things are broken. Some things, you know, some dance moves she tries almost, you know, breaks everything and knocks things over off the tables uh, because of how hard she is, you know, jumping and trying to uh, create these dance moves and symbolize those dance moves. And the other thing, there are some things that she automatically solves because of who she is, like the Rubik's Cube. He gives it to her one second. The next second, she's already solved it. Uh, the the light bulb that he gives in one second and the next thing you know, it's lit. It's literally lit an entire lit light bulb um but again if there not everything is valuable to those that you know we especially if you don't know now the funny thing is she didn't know one what was valuable to her too she didn't know that these things really were valuable to him right um until she saw how he kept them right um but there's one thing that he gave to her that she had been looking for. And um, we find out in this moment because she scans the thing, which is a, a plant really that has been made or put in a boot to grow. And it's a little budding. It's starting to bud, right? It's starting to grow up. Um, but this little plant is in a boot. And when it's handed to her and she scans it, the little indicator turns green. So what we notice is that she's looking for life and vegetation because she automatically grabs it and then she shuts down. Why does she shut down automatically after she gets this uh, plant and and receives the plant from Wally? She shuts down because her directive is over. Remember, I told you she came to the earth to find something. And at the moment that she found it, she disconnected because she wasn't here for Wally. She wasn't there for anything else but to finish and complete the directive. Once she finished the directive, then she shut all the way down and was like, okay, good. I'm good. And all this time, all the time after, what ends up happening is Wally is trying to uh, open her back up, right? He's trying to, you know, Top, pop on her, you know, trying to hit the hit the thing and trying to take her stuff apart, hot wire manipulator, trying to make these scenes, these romantic scenes that she would possibly respond to, and she doesn't respond because her job is over. What would happen? Now, you could take this a couple ways. And the first way is no matter how much you manipulate someone, when their assignment is over, their assignment is over. Yeah. Once her assignment was over, it was done and she felt the need to or she didn't feel the need to waste any more time talking with Wiley, checking out the other things that was in his collection because she had gotten what she came for. What if in our relationships we surveyed if we got what we came for, if we learned the lesson that God put us there to learn. Maybe you are in a space with a certain 
group of people or a certain job or a certain house of worship or a certain, you know, uh, space and time, you know, like or even a certain assignment. Right. And once you get the end of that assignment, once the T is crossed. Right. And that period is put on the end of that sentence. We tend to like to stay a little longer than the period. And I don't know why, you know, it's it's taught that that looks like uh disloyalty or she was just using him but she was very clear about her assignment it had nothing to do with who uh wally was as a robot had nothing to do with her engagements with him had nothing to even do with where what where she was going next it just had to do with the fact that at that point her assignment was done and immediately when the assignment was done the ship that left her came back to find her because the indication that the time was up was sent to the the uh the little ship and the ship came back because they had to pick up said robot and figure out what was going on now remember i told you do the directive and the people that want you and are intrigued by you will follow you well in this instance she's in the um she's shut all the way down the ship uh, arms have picked her up put her in the ship and the next thing we know as the ship is blasting off so is wally Wally is on the outside of the ship, blasting off with the ship. Why is he going with the ship? Because he values Eve so much and he wants to talk to her again. He wants to have this companion relationship again, even though her assignment is done. And so the thing is, if people desire your presence, yep, they they will make priority to keep you um, and to let you know how much you are valued uh, to make sure now you cannot you shouldn't be manipulated. But at the end of the day, you should be able to hear that you are appreciated by the people who pursue you. Um, they are. See, Wally wasn't just pursuing her for the sake of pursuing her. He wasn't pursuing her just because it was time for her to go. He pursued her because he desired to be with her. Period. It was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He wanted the companionship. And we tend to try to make people want to keep us around or try to make people think we're valuable. But if they have not already determined your value and if they don't see you as valuable to them and if they don't pursue you as something that is valuable, then you might actually want to think about if you're valuable to them at all. And it's not, you know, it's not anything wrong <laughs> with, again, letting go, with moving on, with, with you know, choosing to not stay around and, you know, try to audition or, or I don't want to say audition because it's not necessarily the greatest word, but try to sell yourself to people as an asset to them. Um, I heard this, um, <laughs> I heard this state statement and I'm going to say it, um, not in the way that they said it. Cause you know, they said it a little vulgar, but I will say this. They said, bees do not spend time trying to tell flies why honey is better than crap. 
Because at the end of the day, what you desire is what you desire. And flies like crap. And so they hang around crap. And hunt and bees like honey. And they find, you know, find pleasure in nectar. So they spend time around the thing that they want, right? And so you won't have to convince somebody that you're worth desiring. You you won't you shouldn't have to convince anybody that you are a valuable piece in their life. If they are not willing uh to continue the journey with you, um it's okay. Because again, her assignment was done. So while he could have stayed on the earth and continued to do his assignment, but he found value and he found something he wanted to hang on to. Now, in the space station, these little uh, robots or these, you know, these robots are sent out to find life, which is what we found that she found some form of vegetation in life, some form of something growing and and producing. And um, once they find something and they come back or once they're brought back, Um, They are scanned, and after they are scanned, if they found something like, you know, Eve did, that they would actually pull out to see what they found. Um, In this aspect, when Eve goes to give what she found, she opens her compartment, and there is nothing there. So it looks like this whole time, even though we know she's been carrying something with her, this whole time, we know she's been carrying that life. Wow. She's been, she's been carrying the continuation of life, the proof that there is space to restart and rebuild on Earth. It looks like she has been that she's a defective robot that just said there was life in her, but there isn't. When you don't, Lord have mercy. Okay, this is for. Those who are um, trying to be all that God has called you to be. It is very important that you stay close to God enough that he can prune you enough to produce more fruit. Why is it important that you produce fruit? Or why is it important that you produce results of God's glory in the earth? It's important because... From those results, the Bible tells us that men are to look at our good deeds. They are to see our good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. If I produce nothing, then therefore I make it look like my God is defective. It makes it look like I'm a defective ambassador. It makes it look like that I don't have uh, the... I don't have the real God. I have I've misread somewhere or I I, I have a missed God, a God who misses. <laughs> and so it's very um, important that we tend to stay close to God and say, God, Father, Father, God, help me to produce for your glory. Help me to produce so that people know that you are real and that they know that you sent me. Most of the time when Jesus um, did a miracle, Remember, he's not doing miracles to build his own name. He's doing miracles so that 
his father's will can be done in the earth. And so um, there was one miracle uh, where he raised Lazarus and right, right, Lazarus. And right before he raised Lazarus, he says um, to his, to the father, he says, you know, father, I thank you for hearing me. And I know you always hear me, but I say that for the benefit of those around me. What he basically was saying was, I want to say out loud that what's about to happen is a result that you hear me. What's about to happen, what, the miracle that's performed is is going to happen because, Father, you hear me and you, you, you co-sign and agree with me and not necessarily agree with me, but you agree with your will. And because I'm willing to do your will and because you're one with me and I'm one with you, when I speak to roll the stone away and for Lazarus to come forth, then the response is the results come out of the, the tomb. And when the result comes out of the tomb, then people then begin to say, not only is Jesus the Messiah, but they begin to say, praise God. They begin to glorify my father because of the producing of miracles, because of the production of of God's glory in the earth. And so sometimes we think that the things that God is asking us to do are so minute and insignificant, but he's asking us to do them to present glory. He's asking us to do that so that we can show, um, not that he needs to prove that he's real because he's already proved that, um, but that we can show who we belong to and that we are our ambassadors on behalf of him. Um, our works are part of it. Our faith is the other because the faith without works is dead. And so I don't need to have outward expression and outward confession of who God is um, without someone being able to trace it by what I do, by how God moves through me. Right. Um, I need to be able to make sure that when they go to find something in me, they find life just like they found in Eve, even though they tried to, or they didn't at first, or what we see is they didn't at first in, in our minds. Um, what we see is that they didn't, well, they go and send her down as a defective robot into a defective space, as well as Wally and Wally and her are down there in this spot. And once they find out what's happening, what ends up happening is another robot who is carried, uh, the plant, he actually took the plant all out of Eve. Um, so it looked like she had nothing, right? So it looked like she didn't have any life in her. What, what actually happened was she was robbed and she was robbed as a setup because what they did next was sent the boot off into space. And the reason we know this is because Wally, who is trying to go and get the boot, is sent off in space with it. Um, and now it looks like he's panicking at first, putting pushing all of these different buttons, not really knowing what he's pushing. Um, but at the end of the day, what he has to realize is that he cannot get stuck in something that's going to self-destruct. Because the they sent it away so that they could blow it up so that there would be no evidence of life so that they would not have to return to Earth. Now, the Axiom, which is the ship, the spaceship that is in space, 
is full of people who are engrossed in screens, engrossed in, uh, you know, being lazy, sitting in their hydraulic chairs, just rolling around, really being lazy, not focused on anything but the screens. And they are missing uh, the, the events of what is happening around them. So what ends up happening is that uh, while these... (laughs) <laughs> while uh, the Eve or while while Eve runs out to get Wally and Wally, you know, finds himself back, they find themselves dancing in space, you know, by by way of fire, fire uh, the fire extinguisher. Right. Um, and they're making all of these beautiful things. But two of them, two of the people that are in the pods get free by accident. Did you not know that when you show up, there are some people that get delivered and you didn't intend to deliver them? All you did was started to have a conversation with them. All you did was stop to say hello. And in the midst of having a conversation with you, it was just like Jesus talking to the woman at the well. They had a eureka moment. And the next thing you know, their lives were changed. It, It doesn't have much to do with you. It has everything to do with you being in the place that you're supposed to be in. So when they're in the place that they're supposed to be in, by accident, these two people uh, who are riding in chairs, happen to be a man and a woman, they're riding around like everybody else. They Their screens turn off. And the next thing you know, they see Wally and they see Eve out and they're dancing. And then, you know, they're noticing the other things that are happening. I wonder how many people who have been blinded or have been uh really not paying attention to what's going on. But when you walk in the room and bring sobriety with you and bring God's wisdom with you and bring God's knowledge with you, and when you show God's glory in the earth, what ends up happening is people start to awaken from their comas. People start to awaken from their spiritual comas. They start to wake up from their uh, their unconsciousness spiritually, like they literally come into alignment with God's plan and will for their life. They come out of ignorance, ignorance into truth, right? Um, they come into the marvelous light. The funny thing is, um, when we know that we have been those people, we are willing, so much more willing to help free other people, right? We are willing to help set other people free because we realize what it was like to be bound. Um, But anyway, when they find their way back to the ship and they give the boot to the captain, the captain goes to tell the automatic um, pilot about the plant and the automatic pilot wants to hide the plant. Why? Because the automatic pilot has watched a clip from the president from years, 700 years ago. And this clip says for the automatic autopilot to take over the ship, to take over the axiom and to never return to Earth. Because from that president's perspective, 700 years ago, that Earth was not a place where they should be living. But here's here's the get you gotcha. Some people are functioning off of expired advice because that's 700 years ago. And right now in his hand, he has the proof that there is a way to procreate and to uh, vegetate. And and so that life can be um, consistent and brought back to earth. But because the autopilot likes things the way they are, the autopilot does whatever it must do 
to to not let the message get out, which means it, it means knocking uh, <laughs> Wally and and Eve out of out into the trash. It means uh, making sure the captain stays stuck. I, but I, I want us to understand that it is our job. It is our job as ambassadors for life to not let life be ignored or the possibility to duplicate life to be uh, ignored. Remember, our first directive as humans in the beginning in Genesis was that we be fruitful and multiply. It is very important to God that we continue to produce and not only produce, but produce after our own kind. It is very important that we don't leave spaces, leave spaces, um, continuously deserted because we refuse to repopulate the earth because we refuse to repopulate and not only repopulate naturally but I'm talking about repopulate the faith in the earth because at the end of the day if I'm the only one walking around with faith and no one is challenged or blessed by my faith then I have not even completed the directive that was sent from God to me I have done nothing to be fruitful and be multiply and to multiply. Um, in that day, you know, in Genesis, it was definitely about repopulating the earth because they were the first two people on the earth. But even more, they were supposed to produce so that the world would be full of people who were ready to take dominion. Um, but in the moment that they decided to go after their own desires, they they forsook for a moment doing it God's way first, right? They forsook doing it the way that God intended, which was to work and produce and to repopulate. They decided to go after what he said was not theirs to take. And when he went after what he said was not theirs to take, they missed the moment of being able to produce after the original Adam because they then uh, allowed sin to enter into the world, which switched the mindset of mankind. Um, and, and because Jesus has redeemed us, I want us not to get caught up in Adam and Eve's past mistake because we have already been redeemed from that. We have just as the Bible tells us that sin entered into the world by one man, by one man, redemption came into the world. And so because God has already provided the way of escape, we need not focus on the problem anymore. We need not focus on the fact that we are human and, and you know, prone to sin. God knows that. Absolutely knows that. And that's why he sent Jesus to be our way of escape so that we could take the alternate route to eternal life so that we didn't have to stay stuck in our own sin um, and bound by um, the influence of sin in our life. But we begin to uh, see a new life and see new life in God. Now, seeing new life is good, but producing new life is better. Seeing new life is great, but producing new life for others to see so that others will believe is better. Now, at the end of this movie, I think what's very interesting is that we find that Wally is pretty much beaten up really badly because of how the circumstances have happened, right? Because of how how dedicated, right, he was to 
Eve and the directive. Because at to me, if you're direct, if you're dedicated to one, you can't be dedicated to one and not the other. Um, so, because Wally um, was broken up, he was brought to Earth broken. But Eve, who has now completed her assignment, who has now completed her directive, and is enjoying. Um, Wally, because she saw the times from her camera, she saw the times, it recorded the times where Wally was trying to be romantic and trying to show her love and trying to show her companionship. Um, And so what she decided to show in return was that love redeems and love restores. What I found from this movie that was probably the greatest point was just that point is that the at the end of the day love doesn't just let you time out or phase out or uh be broken and stay broken love does what it can to restore so she's fixing him up and fixing him up and putting pieces back together and trying to put them together and it looks like he has no recollection of who she is and he's not there with her but in the moment that she brings back the memories of what love was to them which was the song that you know that he showed her at first um from the tape that he was playing in his collection um and and once she started to hum that song and bring that reminder of love it awakened his memory it awakened or it it made him wake up to who he actually was now if that works in a movie what would happen if we begin to remind people of what god did to erase the stains of their brokenness what if instead of focusing on the fact that people have flaws we rehearsed God's scripture we rehearsed the word of God we rehearsed those things that made them clean versus the things that made them dirty what would happen if every time we came across someone who was broken down by life we reminded them or showed them or introduced them to a God who wanted to fix them up. And we begin to help them restore themselves because it's easy to say God loves you, but it's, it's, it's difficult to sometimes put in the work to help restore. It's sometimes difficult, especially when you're working by yourself to help restore someone because they're so broken, they can't restore themselves. It's hard to try to help put someone back together again who doesn't have the strength to put themselves back together again. But as Christians and ambassadors of Christ, we have to remind ourselves of what Jesus did while he was here. Think about the miracles that he he did while he was here. He did simple miracles, um, which, you know, um, I, I won't say simple because, you know, it was mind blowing and, and mind boggling and amazing. But I mean, he met the needs of people, meaning blind man, you now see it wasn't hard. If it, it wasn't like it wasn't like. I got to figure out something to do to this person. No, he's blind. Okay, father, I know it's your will that 
he's able to see. I know it's your will to heal. So let me be an ambassador for healing. Father, in the name of Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Or because he was Jesus. It was go on ahead and take your sight. Your, your faith has made you whole. You know what I mean? It was it was the the man at the pool of Bethesda. And the man that is waiting for um, a touch from a, a angel to touch in the pool and waiting for somebody to put him in the pool. The man is sitting there for years and years and years. What does Jesus do? Restore his uh, body so that he's able to get up and walk. Had nothing to do with pushing him in the water because Jesus was living water. He carried living water. So the water came to him to restore him and to bring him. What happens when you come into a room and you see brokenness are you supposed to leave it broken or are you supposed to do what Jesus did and have intention to do what the father desires because it's not that the father's will that any should perish and some of us think that we're supposed to be conduits for these natural healings that the blind will see but we don't even want to share Jesus to the brokenhearted because you know, we don't we don't understand that that's a part of ministry too. that that even being there for people that have mental health health issues or even being there for people who who just need a friend. And maybe it's just maybe it's just sharing God's love with someone who um, felt abandoned or was an orphan or didn't receive love as a child. Those things are miracles, too, to people who have not received love before. Um, the fact that Jesus would give up his only or God would give up his only son is a miracle to someone who uh, cannot fathom being worthy of that kind of sacrifice. But if we don't want to um, we, we think that it's all about these creative miracles that we can see. But what about the miracles every day that God wants to perform through us? Maybe the miracle is that I show up in this building and while everyone else is going through uh, COVID and, and all of these other health related issues, I, I can show them joy and peace. And, and I can show them this in the Holy Ghost, right? And when they see me smiling and when they see me happy, they're like, what is it that is, what is, how is it that you have peace and, and all of this? We just got laid off. Like, how is it that you, you got so much peace? I have peace because God is my provider. Like, you know what I mean? And it opens the door for God to take people from misery to miracle in 2.5 seconds. And it just, it's facilitated with your obedience, with our obedience. Because at the end of the day, while I want to say that it's more important that you bring life back to others, it is more important that after you show proof of life, that you're willing to restore others back to life, especially those who have given up what they had to in order to uh, help many others. Um, it, it's, it's not enough to get caught up in the doings of this world. It's not enough to get caught up in the beings of, uh, you know, our culture or to try to be what culture tells us to be. No, no, because it has no eternal value. At the end of the day, let's find Christ's value in people and restore that. 
let's find what God says is valuable and and say and bring out that let's restore the image of God in the earth so that people don't think that he's a God from a long time ago. Let's restore God's presence in a way that people are able to feel him when they walk in a room. They're able to feel him when we walk in the room because of how powerful and how close our relationship is, how potent our our anointing is. You know what I mean? Like because of how present God is with us, what would it be like if we walked in the room ready to reproduce life and not in the natural way? What 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 would happen if we walked in the room and we were ready to make sure that life began and that people began new again? I challenge you at the end of the day, today there is two things set before you in this life and death. And as the scripture tells us, I beg you to choose life. I beg you to choose to live on behalf of God so that God will be glorified and that his his name would be made unknown in the earth as well as people would come to realize that he is still alive. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Kid Like Faith. That's K I D L I K E F, the number eight T H. And make sure that you also check out www.kidlikefaith.com for your merch and for more information about the podcast. If you want to contact me, you can do so on the website as well, or you can send me a message at K I D L I K E F, the number eight T H, at gmail.com. I hope to hear from you soon. And until next time, make sure you keep your faith kid-like. Bye!